We all know the Christmas story. At least we think we do. We could all tell some version of it. Angel is visiting Mary. Yo, shit. He died? No. Um, the deep dark woods, the ladder came. Maybe we don't know the whole story. Um, I don't know. They're singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what if we looked deeper at what really happened? The bad guy king. We thought he should be the king. They are giving baby Jesus the presents that they brought. Maybe there's more to the Christmas story. I did a good Good morning. My name is Efren Peña, and I am the campus pastor here at South Hills Santa Clarita. It is a blessing to be here this morning with you. Uh, we are the place where the coffee is fresh, and we have plenty of donut holes. And today, on top of all of that sugar, we're going to add some cookies and hot cocoa, and uh, I just cannot wait. I bet you my Christmas sweater cookie decoration is better than yours. I'm very competitive at that, except for uh, Mr. Mr. Cookie Man over there, and Mr. Levi, who uh, took the prize last year. So actually, I didn't win anything at all. I, I just eat the cookies. But uh, the man to beat is there, and uh, hope you can join us uh, for our hangout upstairs. Um, real quickly, how many of you... I said asked last year that I mean last week and the statistics were a little varied a little bit. But how many of you has have started your Christmas shopping? There are a lot more hands down than a just to let you know there are ten days. And probably all the good stuff has run out. And that's why some of us get stuck with some of the things you buy. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I got a special deal for you. We want to get rid of some of our stock that we have in the back. And so you go to the connect table back there. Wendy will hook you up. She will give you a price. We've got T-shirts that we want to get out the door. We have some caps that we want to get going. And so uh, if you want to buy something fresh, something nice, something good, you can go to the back. Wendy will take care of you. We have a limited of stock uh, before we bring in some new gear for uh, 2020. So... Here we are. Can I tell you how much I love Amazon? Have I told you that? I absolutely love Amazon because I don't have to be at the mall. I, I so dislike I went to the mall the other day. I think it was Friday, and I got pushed, and I got shoved, and I, I went into the store two seconds. I did a U-turn quickly, and I came right out. And in Amazon, I could buy something. If I don't like it, I could return it. Nobody's going to ask me why. They don't even care if I opened it. It's just incredible. I love Amazon. Anyway, that thought I might share that with you. We are in an incredible series uh, that we started a few weeks back called Christmas at South uh, called Christmas at South Hills. Uh, but this one's a little bit different. We're, we're trying to uh, approach it from a different angle. Now, most of us know just about plot points or about an incident that directly impacts what happens next in the story. They're, they're, these stories are about people. And it's in this incredible story of Christmas, we are asking questions like, why did God choose these particular people? 
right? Why did he choose them? And, and why did he, not only why did he choose these people, but why did he choose these people at this time in history, right, to tell such an incredible story? And if we were to push past what God did, right, we all know that God sent his son Jesus. But if we were to push past it and take a deeper look at who he did it through, uh, open up. What can we see? What might we uh, open up and explore? How might Christmas come alive for us uh, as we breathe in something new and something fresh? Last week, we learned that even though times were, were hard and filled with hopelessness and despair for many, Jesus came to bring hope. In fact, Jesus, we learned that Jesus gets the last word. That the Christmas story is a reminder that just because we don't see a way out, just because we can't see that, that things might turn out to be better for us, it doesn't mean that there is no way out or that there isn't hope or joy. Now, as we jump into this morning's uh, talk, I always like to start with a question. And uh, for you teachers out there, right? Uh, have you ever had a time when you did something? Maybe this is more for parents, but when you did something as a parent that was difficult for your kids to understand or maybe even accept, and it was rough for them, or maybe you were on the receiving end. Your parents uh, made a decision uh, and, and it was difficult for you to, to comprehend, for you to take it and receive it. And, and it was just tough times in your home. Uh, as a father of four young ladies, uh, the, you know, the, the question that is coming up more often than, than, than I, I want to address, especially if my two oldest ones, is the boys. And my my reply to that is, homie, don't play that, all right? So we move right along. So you can see there's difficult things happening in our homes when it comes to that, right? And in those moments, our kids are looking at us and thinking, if you don't give me what I want, then you're doing the wrong thing, Dad. And if I can't understand your reasons, Dad, then, then, and, and, and I can't understand them right now, then your reasons are just dumb. Even if, if, if there even is a reason why. And yet, as parents, we know that if I give you what you want, it will hurt you or not help you. My job as your parent is not to give you what you want, but to give you what you need. And sometimes those two are very different things. And sometimes there's no way to, uh, for us to explain our reasons in a way that would make sense to them at that precise moment. Because all they see is my mom or my dad is not giving me what I want. But that doesn't mean there's a good reason why. I've been 
I found myself many a time saying, my kids ask me, but why? But why can't I do that, Dad? Why can't I have that? And my, the only answer that comes to my mind is because I said so. Anybody been there? Yeah. On all of the you who are not parents yet say, yeah, I've been there too, right? You see, it's hard for kids to believe that there could be something bigger going on here than what they can wrap their brains around. Because at that moment, they have this tunnel vision, and all they see is, this is what I want, this is what I need to get, and my dad and my mom are saying no to me. They think, dad, just give me what I want, and I'll feel absolutely better. But if we're being honest, it's not just kids who experience this. Have you ever been in a season where everything was good and, and then out of the blue something blindsides you? It took you by surprise and, and left you struggling to catch your breath. Maybe it was a phone call, a conversation, a confession, a custody hearing, a discovery, a doctor's report, uh, a severe depression, uh, uh, a death in the family, an injury, a tragedy, an accident, a layoff, a loss, or you name it. And in that instant, in that very instant, everything is changed for the worse. Part of the dream you had for your life died at that moment. And maybe it was uh, naive, but you, you just never thought it would happen to you. And you're completely unprepared for that moment. All you know is that moving forward, uh, moving, moving forward, things won't be like you imagined they would. Not anymore, because this thing that just happened changed everything. Listen, it's hard for us to change gears when stuff like this happens to us. You can't ignore it. You can't pretend like it, it never happened. It actually begins to steer you in a different direction. It's hard to let certain dreams die, but it's hard to let go of the hope that things are going to get, are going to work out a certain way, the way that you wanted them to be, the way you thought God wanted them to be. And in our pain and in our frustration and our confusion, our exhaustion, our anger, we feel Abandoned, we feel alienated, we feel betrayed and cheated. And we go to, to God for help because that's what a, what a good Christian should do. We should go seek God to help us in these times. And sometimes, well, sometimes it feels like God's response is, is yeah, 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 I, I'll help you. You, you just got to do this. And we look at his suggestions like, what are you talking about, Willis? Like, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Why, why, would, I, why would I have to go through that? Uh, you know, you're suggesting his suggestion to our situations, and, 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 and we be think, begin to think, um, um, that's not going to work. That's going to make things more difficult. That's going to be harder. That's going to be more painful. That's, uh, that's, 
that's going to make an uncomfortable situation or circumstance even more uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work, God. And you say to yourself, how can doing things that I don't want to do, how can doing things that I don't want to do be the best way to stop feeling like I don't want to feel? It doesn't add up to me. Am I supposed to act like giving me the opposite of what I want to some sort of gift, God? Because that's not what I'm asking for. Yet your suggestion to me as I bring this to your table, as I bring this to you, is to do something different or give me something different than what I'm asking. Heck, if these are the gifts that you're giving to me, God, then uh, I like a gift receipt with that, God. Now, some of you may not admit to that, but we've been there and we've done that. I would like to return back this relationship, God. I would like to return back this season of life. I would like to return back this complication, this this expectation. We go around thinking, man, I ask God to enable enable me to be more generous. What I, meant when, what I meant was for him to give me a lot of extra money to give away. But he asked me, he just asked me to give what I already had before I get any more. That's not what I wanted. I don't want to do that. I asked God to fix my marriage. I even gave him a specific list of things he needed to fix about my husband. And it was, it was a good list. It's almost like God didn't even read that list because it feels like he's trying to get me to be, uh, to be the one to change and forgive and serve first. I asked God to give me a job that I love. What I meant was for him to give me a new job. But when I apply to other places, it never works out. A friend told me God may be trying to get me to love the job that I have right now. But that's not what I want. And he knows that. I asked God to get my kids to to listen and obey. I meant for him to do just that. But instead, he keeps directing me to blogs about being patient and gentle and more creative in my approach with them. And that is not what I'm looking for. I asked God to take my addiction away. What I meant was for him to just miraculously remove all the cravings of the circumstances or the circumstances that drive me to do, excuse me, to drive me to want to do that. But instead, I feel like he keeps promoting me to confess and get some serious accountability. I don't want to do that either. You see, many of our frustrations with God look like I asked God to blank. I meant for him to blank, but what he seems to be doing is blank. You fill those in for me. Have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, God was trying to do something different? 
He was trying to answer your prayer. He was trying to do something in your life, change the circumstances. But you were so focused on what you wanted and what you thought would be best. Maybe some of us have been in this place where we thought, God, if, if you loved me, you would help me in the way that I, I want to be helped. Just give me what I want and I'll feel better. Why don't you get that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know many of us have been there before. Because if you don't give me what I want, you're doing the wrong thing. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar to how our kids have reacted to when we don't want to give them something that they want. And God, if I can't understand your reasons right now, then your reasons are just dumb. If there, if there even is a reason in the first place. In the Bible, there's a, a person in the Christmas story who experienced that same kind of feeling and found himself asking those same questions. In Matthew chapter 1, Verses 18 and 19, we begin to, to hear a little bit about the story. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't often stop in the middle of the story and consider without any clue as to how the situation was going to play out and, and the story would end. So let me give you some context for this story, this exact scene right here. Joseph lived in a time when marriages were arranged. And in this culture, engagement wasn't just about putting a ring on that finger, picking a date and, and having a wedding planner and, and popping the question. Engagement was legally, was a legally binding contract. Both families had to sign off on it. And if you ever decided to call off the whole thing, the other person's family would sue you for damages. It was a big deal. So Joseph did not choose Mary. She was chosen for him. But the more time he spent with her, the more time they did life together, the more time they interacted with one another, the more um, he sees why they thought they'd be a good fit. And so they click. And he starts to really like her. And then one day she sits down over a, coffee, a cup of coffee and starts to tell him, that she's pregnant. And suddenly, that cup of coffee starts to turn in his stomach. 
like someone had knocked the wind out of his sail because he had never slept with her. Things did not add up. The feelings that he had for her, this love that was starting to to birth, was starting to, to stir things up. She she tries to tell him that God, God got her pregnant. She didn't even have the decency to think up of a good lie. She said her baby was going to be the Messiah. Huh? And even if he could wrap his brain around it, even if he could believe her crazy uh, story was true, No one else would. No one else that they knew, their family members, their friends, the people they did life with were going to look like, uh, that's a lie. And besides, this is not what he wanted. This is not what Joseph wanted. This is not what he, he had hoped life would be for him and his marriage. He just wanted to live a normal life like everyone else. Let's continue to read a little bit more. Matthew 1, verse 20 to 23, and says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will, have, he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. At this time, Joseph is probably going cocoa for cocoa puffs. He is trying to, like, you think this is going to work out. She comes out and gives you this crazy story about her being pregnant. And then you have a dream that confirms what she said. When it says, as he considered this, at the very beginning, verse 20, there was a lot to consider at the moment. And the more she thought, excuse me, the more he thought about it, the more he wanted out, the more he wanted to be done. He put it behind him. He he wanted to put it behind him to, to move ahead with his life. No one would have blamed them for walking away, right? That's just crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing that Joseph actually did it. That he, that he did the hard thing he felt God led him to. That he did what he didn't want to do. The thing that made no sense to him the thing he thought was going to add to his pain and subtract and not subtract from it. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Of course he did. An angel appeared to him. Pastor, who wouldn't do something if the angel appeared to him? But the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, which is an important detail. You see, a dream is different than a vision. A vision comes when you're awake and alert, but a dream comes when you're asleep. 
How many of you actually follow through or believe in a dream that you had the night before? Not many of us. Not many of us hold any value. Heck, I had a dream the other day. I was in Yankee Stadium knocking home runs out the park. That's not going to happen, right? We've all had dreams before, and we didn't take them all too seriously. But for Joseph, the dream wasn't random. It was a confirmation that he already knew in his heart he needed to do but didn't want to do. And also, it wasn't like, like the second he decided to follow through, everything in his life fell into place. That's not how it played out either. Because that's not how real life works. When Joseph did what God asked him to do, everything, that, uh, everything didn't feel like he wanted it to feel. But it was God's will. I bet for a long while, every time one of his friends or family members or neighbors shared the good news that they're finally having their first son, that was probably a bit stung a little bit for him. I bet every time he attended a circumcision ceremony or or bar mitzvah for someone else's son, it reminded him that that they had, they didn't, excuse me, reminded him that, that they had what he didn't, what he wanted but didn't get. And yet the only reason we know Joseph's name is because he dared. He dared to believe God could be trusted to write a better story for him than he can ever write for himself. And even when the chapter he found himself in, right, felt confusing even when there was doubt in his heart, even when he caught himself considering the easy way out. Joseph planted his feet and said, this is God's will. And here's what I wonder. I wonder what you are considering. I wonder what's about to ruin your Christmas. I wonder what recent revelation might have taken you by surprise, might have knocked the wind out of you and left you struggling to catch your breath. And I wonder when that happened, what did you ask God for? And I wonder what he might have gifted you in its place. I wonder if it's something that doesn't feel much like a gift at all. I wonder if it feels if it feels like settling for less or sticking with something noble when the payoff is still a long way off when it kind it kind of doesn't feel worth it right now at this moment. Because friends, if if you're there or if you've ever been there, you've lived more of Joseph's story than you may realize. The only reason we know Joseph's story is that is because he kept going when it could have been easier to not go. Here's the thing, have you ever noticed that the only stories that that we're interested in 
and, and interested in hearing and interested in reading or watching are the stories of perseverance. Think about that. Think about the movies you watch or the stories you've read uh, or the stories you've heard. You're only interested because it, it's a story about perseverance. Your favorite story is never one where everything was amazing and, and then this really difficult and painful thing happened to them and, and they gave up and they quit and they walked away, they threw in the towel and they finished. Right? Nobody wants to see those movies. Nobody wants to hear those stories or read those stories. No one wants to, to, to say, oh, you know what, that was, like, that was like the best story ever when that person just quit. Because that story is not a story worth telling. And it's not a story worth living either. And you may think, man, that's great. With God's help, Joseph persevered. Way to go, Joseph. But why does that matter? It matters because getting what you need over what you want results in maturity. And that's the goal. That's the goal for us as believers is to continue to grow. It's to continue to mature. God is more interested in crafting your character than catering to your comfort level. And I may be a little harsh to hear, but this is the reality of what God is trying to do in our life. He is more interested in crafting your character than catering to your comfort level. I'm going to wrap this up this morning here. So how do we apply this, Pastor? How do we, we take what we learn from this morning and, and begin to put it into play, put it into action? I think I would wrap it up in these words. What you do when you're confronted with truth you don't want to hear determines the story your life will tell. What do you do when you're confronted with truth you don't want to hear determines the story your life will tell. Some of us, when we get told the truth or when we, when we come a, across the truth of what's happening, what's, what's actually going on, we make a quick U-turn and find the nearest exit because we don't want to have the, the we don't want to face the truth. We don't want to actually have to do something about it because that's not what we want because sometimes the truth brings about things that we don't want for our lives. It requires us to, to do something that we don't want to do because it's easier to do this than to actually do what God is asking us to do. It's easier to, to, to say, man, this, is, this, this, this makes me feel good. I like this side. This is really cool. This brings a smile to my face. Everything is, is nice on this side. I don't want to move to this side because this is where God is crafting my character. I don't want him to craft my character. 
I like to feel comfortable here. The smiling way. And God is saying, man, if you would just take heed, if you would just listen, I know you cannot see what what I have in store for you. I know it doesn't make sense at this moment. I know you're asking me for this. But I've said it in my word that I have a purpose and a plan for your life. One to bring you hope. One that is full of joy. If you would just listen and take heed. Because I'm doing something inside of you. I'm taking care of some things inside of you. Yeah, it's not, you're not going to like it. Yeah, it's going to probably make you really uncomfortable. And people are going to look at it and be like, I don't know what's going on in your world, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know. And, and God is saying, just, just, just get where I need you to get. Just do what I need you to do. Allow me to be God in your life. Too many of us want to want to say, yes, I love Jesus. I love God. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a God follower. And the moment God tells you to do something, you will, oh, no, he wasn't talking to me. Why? Because you don't want to hear what God has to say. You think it's bad news. You think it's, it's detrimental to your health, detrimental to your character. And God say, oh, no. I'm trying to craft your character and not your comfort level. In Joseph's case, he finds joy in circumstances that are not going his way. Matthew 1, 24 to 25 says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The stories we're most interested in are stories of perseverance. Of those who found joy in the most unlikeliest of places. Friends, the Christmas story is about realizing what you never wanted was just what you needed. Realizing what you never wanted was just what you needed. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that your walk with Jesus is going to be smooth sailing. Nowhere in the Bible says that Jesus is going to give you everything you want. Oh, but pastor, it says that he will give you the desires of your heart. You didn't read the, last, the next passage. That says according to his will, not yours. God is in the business of restoring lives. God is in the business of shaping character. God is in the business of blessing his people. And so my question is more of a statement than anything is can you, will you find joy in the unlikeliest of places, in the unlikeliest of situations? 
in the unlikeliest of circumstances. In this Christmas season, some of you are already predetermined that you're not going to bring people closer to you, that you're not going to address some difficult members of your family, that you're going to bypass some things because that's a little bit rough or a little bit hard. What if God is positioning you to grow and mature by answering your prayer a different way than you thought you wanted that prayer to be answered. I believe God is doing some incredible things in the lives of his people today. He did it back then and he's still doing it today. What if you embrace this Christmas story and say, God, Craft my character. Do something incredible in my life. Use me in such an incredible way. For your glory.